Hello and welcome back to the Events Unpause podcast. In this five episode podcast series, we're talking about how the global pandemic changed the events industry and how we will take those lessons well into the future. In the last episode, we talked about improving the safety of events. And I really do encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. In this episode, we're gonna turn our attention to hybrid events. This is an interesting and even slightly contentious topic within our industry. What hybrid events look like and how they work varies dramatically from organization to organization. For purposes of this discussion, we'll be talking about hybrid as a live event that incorporates both digital and in-person elements. Nomenclature aside, we're coming out of a period of dramatic change during which events were forced to experiment with digital environments. Now we have a unique opportunity to look back and learn from each other's experiences and consider how it will be part of our future strategy. We're going to hear from a few different event experts about their recent successes with hybrid events and why they believe digital will be an important part of their future live events. The first person I'd like to introduce to you is Bob Bejan, who is the Corporate Vice President of Microsoft's Global Events and Studios. He was instrumental in Microsoft's decision to focus exclusively on digital events early on during the pandemic. Microsoft reinvented how their traditional live events worked, centering everything around a live digital program that connected to local and regional events. I talked to Bob during our recent Next event about what his team learned and how they plan to move forward with mixed media events in the future. The truth of the matter is, is that this digital world that we're discovering, that we're starting to kind of define as a new palette, even a new medium uh, as a way to communicate, is not gonna be just an adjunct add-on to live events when they start to return. It's our belief that these digital components that we're starting to kind of get better at making will become the core of the live events that we deliver to the world as live events start to come back to life. And if you think about it, as this pandemic moves into our past and we all kind of get over our collective PTSD about it and start to move freely and willingly into group settings, it's very likely that live meetings will come back in incremental steps, starting with relatively small groups and then moving to larger and larger, you know, kind of organized gatherings. And in that world, in combination with what I was saying about the kind of digital core being the center of the new live experience, you don't have to squint very hard to see that digital core being delivered into groups of 50, 100, 250 in what I would call right now highly produced, high production value viewing parties that allow you to kind of create interactive settings where you can experience the digital core as a group theatrically and then have that live interaction follow on at the local level. And so for all of us in this industry who have supported it, who kind of helped bring it to life, if you will, no pun intended, there's great hope and optimism for all of us as we think about how to apply this kind of networked approach for the delivery of events. And I think it, take, it takes the, all, the work we've done in independent kind of one-off bespoke over and over event creation, uh, even at Microsoft, and starts to open up an opportunity for creativity and innovation uh, that really hasn't existed in quite some time. Because if you come back to this idea that these events are effective, we have this data, they're incredibly inclusive, and they cost less money. 
then that means that some of that incremental savings can be applied to kind of more daring ideas, more kind of new ways of communicating, explorations of this medium of blurring the line between digital and live as we start to, you know, kind of work together and move towards the next definition of live experiences over the next two to four years. And from my perspective, that, that makes me incredibly excited. You know, as somebody at the, at, more at the end of their career than at the beginning, um, I, I think that's an extraordinarily kind of remarkable thing to be looking at kind of the birth of a new medium using the full complement of all of our skills and applying it uh, to kind of a new palette and a new way of communicating with human beings. Now, Bob explains what digital activation looks like with digital as the centerpiece for live events. As the industry kind of started and started to deal with it, as you say, David, I think a lot of people went, okay, let's make lemonade out of lemons. It'll be good to learn it digital. It'll be great to add it on back on to the live events when we do live events. But now I think like our truth is that digital core is the, is the centerpiece. And now the live activation as things come back to life is really going to be local and regional activation concurrent with the digital delivery. Because if you think about it, if you're a brand now and you have a distributed sales force globally, for example, or even nationally, the ability to now say, I'm gonna do a digital tent pole, a, a flagship event staged digitally, and then activate it all around the world at the same time. You know, the way we used to have to do that, we, we would do Ignite in the fall in Orlando. And then we'd kind of, you know, put it all on a plane and take it on tour for the rest of the year and play 30 cities. But, and that was still, we'd miss huge swaths of our audience. Now you can kind of stage it twice a year. We do it once in September, October, and now we're going to do it again in March. And our whole globe activates on, you know, on the, on the second, third, and fourth of March. You know, the whole planet will be activating against Ignite at Microsoft. And that's a very powerful model. As you can see, Microsoft's shift to digital had a big impact on multiple levels. Bob Bejan shared a snapshot of what happened after they digitally transformed two big annual events. The first was Build, their annual software engineer and developer conference, and the second was Inspire, their annual event for partners. The question is, is how, how did it go? You know, I mean, I think we had this hope uh, that we would be able to maintain the kind of participation and um, engagement that we had at the Build show we did in Seattle. Now, let's start talking about statistics. Last year at Build in 2019, we were thrilled because we got 6,200 people to come to the show. Historically, uh, we had only, the high water mark was 5,400, so to get to 6,200, we were beside ourselves. This year at Build, we had 197,000 people. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And not only that, but in historical terms, whenever we would stage Build in the United States, 80% of our attendees would come from the United States. This year at Build, those 197,000 people, 69% of them came from the rest of the world. So this notion of inclusion, as well as scale, starts to really hit home. And let me give you another statistic. On the continent of Africa in 2019, 28 developers were able to join us from the continent in Seattle for build. This year, 6,044 developers from the continent of Africa were able to come and join us at build and improve their development skills and bring them back to their communities. So that's a pretty profound kind of statement about inclusion. Uh, and the ability to start to deliver these experiences to people that could never have come to them in any way uh, historically.
Now, that show happened in the middle of May, and when we presented these incredible statistics to um, our management at Microsoft, our president, Brad Smith, said something very good. He was like, Bob, that's great. Like, you and your team did a fantastic job, but don't you think you're at the absolute height of the pandemic, and perhaps because nobody had anything else to do, that was a contributing factor about why you got so many people to show. And all you could say was, hmm, that's a very good point. And it will be very interesting to see when we get to July um, where that nets out in terms of, uh, you know, kind of ongoing participation. Well, we'll move forward to July. 115,000 of our partners joined us for Inspire, where last year only 9,000 of them joined us in Las Vegas for Inspire. The same kind of satisfaction, the same kind of engagement. 42% of the people that were at Inspire in July had never been to Inspire before. So in terms of cultivating new customers, extraordinary. Fast forward to only four weeks ago when we staged uh, Ignite for IT professionals in the corporate world. Last year, 24,000 in Orlando, amazing. This year, 270,000. Again, engagement, positive. Now. Here's what's interesting even beyond that, because now we're talking about scale, efficacy, and inclusion, but it also costs less money. On the average, these shows that we're doing cost 60% less than what we were doing in the live world. And that's pretty staggering if you put your business hat on and start talking about ROI. Incorporating digital can be a great way to increase reach, executing a more inclusive and flexible event. Of course, not everyone has the resources to pull off an event like Microsoft, nor does everyone have the support to make such dramatic changes in the way that events are produced. But now that everyone has looked at their events through a new digital lens, there are new things we've learned that can't be ignored. Even if digital isn't the core of an event, it's bound to be integrated into future strategies in some fashion. Now let's hear what Jennifer Reagan Four, Chief Events and Marketing Officer for the International Society for Technology and Education, had to say at one of our next event sessions about their experiment with digital events during the pandemic. For a lot of um, events, especially mature events that have been around for a while and have you know core audience and expectations, I think what this living through this experience has probably helped us sort through what is really special and critical about the face-to-face -face versus what can actually be you know, better in some cases in the digital. And I think we hadn't really stopped to really um, ask ourselves that question as much. I think the attendees probably hadn't had the experience of that or even you know, the exhibitors and the companies. Like one of the things that I think we learned about this is our main stages were so much more exciting all of a sudden because everyone was chatting at the same time. And, you know, mm -hmm. people might be tweeting and things like that in the face-to-face, -face, but, but generally speaking, we had such a robust conversation happening on the side. And so thinking about when we return to face-to-face, -face, how do we not lose that? Mm -hmm. um, thinking about how we built out some resource pages around our individual sessions and how people could share resources. And suddenly you have this really rich digital experience that lives for, you know, in our case, we're having that open for six months after the event. And I think that like what we've heard back from our attendees is we've been able to experience and see so much and have all these things we can return to. How do we keep some of those threads in our face-to-face -face events when we are hopefully back to like mostly face-to-face? -face? Um, and I think it also from an inclusion standpoint, you know, we're, we're serving educators 
who, you know, maybe a lot of them can't afford to attend face-to-face. They can't afford the travel. They can't afford the hotels, all of those things. And suddenly the kind of audience that we were able to include within our circle grew so much larger. So we just have so many takeaways about how do we keep this hybrid piece, the best parts of it moving forward, even when the pandemic is over and we're able to be back together face-to-face. Because I think we all do have a bias that there are some things that are really rich about face-to-face, but, um, but I think there are some pieces that we've learned from this too. The most important thing organizations can do right now is to take a step back to evaluate what they can learn from their shift to digital. Take a fresh look at the fundamentals. What are the goals you're trying to achieve? And how are your attendees' behaviors and expectations shifting? Annette Gregg, Senior Vice President of Experiences at Meeting Professionals International, shared insights about changes they were inspired to make to their annual event and encouraged next attendees to take advantage of this window of opportunity. Expectations have changed for the attendees, not only the digital experience, but the in-person experience. They don't want to spend as much time uh, as we used to program. We used to program four full days of education. People just don't have it right now in them. Uh, whether it's sitting in front of a, a, a Zoom or sitting in front of a digital event, we realized we overprogrammed that. We can scale back on that and we could scale back on the number of days. And people wanted more white space. And again, we were in we were one of the first times people were seeing each other, a lot of these professional relationships. So they just wanted time with each other. We were kind of going with our full programming that we always do. So that was a big learning for us. Wow, we couldn't agree more with Annette's points there. If one thing has remained true throughout the pandemic, it is that understanding audience needs and expectations should be at the forefront of event design. And it may be time to make changes you've been wanting to make or try something new to better engage your audience. This is the time for all of the event experience designers, event professionals that are watching this. Now's the time to really make some of those changes you have been dying to make, but your senior leadership won't let you. You know, you've got to have the CEO talk for five minutes. You got to have this talk for five. Now's the time to say, look, you know, pull the pandemic card that people are learning differently. Expectations have shifted, but I know how hard it is to change some of these legacy practices and they've been stale for 10 years, let alone stale during a pandemic and the way the new learner learns. So be brave. I, I cut a day off of our conference. We changed all the executive speeches that were like total sacred cows before. Um, we're, we're making a lot of moves because it's been long overdue. Changes inspired by the digital shift extend well beyond programming changes and tactical elements. As Elizabeth Sage, Associate Director of Events and Trade Shows at Illumina shares, it has changed the way that different teams work with one another. I'm just so excited at the opportunity to continue leveraging these different channels. I mean, it's kind of forced some teams to work together in a way they haven't had to before because they've all Mm. operated in silos. I think we see that at just about any company, regardless of whether it's a corporate or association. So we've now had to work together, um, you know, work much closer with our digital counterparts or our digital marketing folks or our social media counterparts, folks that we historically maybe haven't. So I think that's a really um, a COVID silver lining, if you will, and we'll hopefully continue those relationships moving, fo- moving forward. But it also is an opportunity. Um, I guess one of the big takeaways I've had from 2020 into 2021 is like, let's cut the muck, right? So like, let's actually look at what are we doing and what can we stop doing and make completely virtual or digital or in a totally different medium altogether versus a live event because we were doing it for 15 years because we always did it, but maybe it didn't even make any impact, but nobody said anything, right? So I think it's this really opportunity to kind of 
what is it, Marie Kondo, Marie Kondi? You know, you just clean out your life. Only what brings you joy. That's such a great opportunity for teams to really look at, you know, what's working, what's not, what can we make, what are things that perhaps were not live, but we realize absolutely have to be. You know, it's really just taking a fine tooth comb over the entire portfolio of um, campaigns and activities from a marketing perspective, which includes events. You know, there is still a lot of work to do to define where hybrid fits into the future. Many of our clients are asking us, what do we do with our events portfolio now? If you're asking the same question, we can help you get started. We believe the most important thing you can do right now is to reevaluate your event strategy to uncover how you can use a mix of digital and in-person elements to deliver the most value for your organization. The Design Studio, powered by Merit's Global Events, is guiding clients through an event portfolio assessment to create a roadmap to refresh their events portfolio. And now that brings our discussion of hybrid events to a close. In our next episode, we get into the critical questions for planning and executing a successful hybrid or digital events. You can listen to episode four now. I really encourage you to do so. And see you next time.